1: This is Sex and Science Hour with Brian Sovereign and Dr. Stephanie Murphy. Get your freak on.
0: Woo! Fresh and bad. It's Stephanie and Brian. Wow, Shinrin Yoku. Yeah. You like how I did the callback to I, season two or
1: something? I was impressed. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you, that season, that was that was a hot season. Almost uh, as hot as my tea here. Almost
0: as hot as this season, which we're in season four now for Whoa. Sex and Science Hour. You can find our website at sexandsciencehour.com. Be sure to join our Facebook group uh, called the Sex and Science Hour Facebook community or podcast community on Facebook, but we'll talk about all that later. Right now, I want to talk about... Uh, well, just to explain, shinrin yoku is a Japanese term for retreating into the forest and disconnecting from all electronics. Right? That's
1: a winning, uh, a winning idea in my mind.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I feel so much better after we actually kind of that. did that today. Right. That's why I said we're freshly back oh, from the shinrin yoku because
1: right, we did do that. <laughs> I'm
0: having to explain this joke, but yeah, Brian and I went into the woods today and we took a nice long hike. And it felt so good. Yeah. And now we're ready to rock a show. So are you ready for this, Brian? Let's do it. Um, Would you believe that beautiful or attractive scientists are not taken as seriously as their uglier colleagues? Uh, You
1: know, I imagine this is only true for women.
0: Uh I think it might be true for both uh, genders. That's all interesting. genders. <laughs> I,
1: I have a, I have a I have a thought about that, but let's uh let's learn more, shall we?
0: All right, let's let's do that. This is from ITV.com. Beautiful scientists may draw a crowd, but are seen as less academically able than their less attractive colleagues, researchers in Cambridge have found. It is thought that the good looks of former musician and TV physicist Brian Cox and anatomy expert Alice Roberts may have played a big part in their roles as science communicators. But if the results of a study by psychologists at Cambridge University are to be believed, neither are rated as highly competent scientists by members of the public. Lead researcher Dr. Will Skylark from the Department of Psychology said he wanted to find out what impact good looks had on the perception of scientists. Quote, Given the importance of science to issues that could have a major impact on society, such as climate change, food sustainability, and vaccinations, scientists are increasingly required to engage with the public. We know from studies showing that political success can be predicted from facial appearance that people can be influenced by how someone looks rather than necessarily what they say. We wanted to see if this was true for scientists." In the first of a series of trials, Volunteers were shown photos of more than 300 British and American scientists and asked to rate them for intelligence and attractiveness. Okay, so they they showed them a set of pictures of real scientists. They were asked, the participants were asked to rate them on their intelligence and their attractiveness. I'm assuming one of the pictures was of you. No, I don't think so. No? I hope, I wish it was, but I don't think so. (laughs) most
1: attractive scientist
0: I know. Well, apparently I'd be taken less seriously.
1: Well, we'll find
0: (laughs) out about that. Let's find out about the results here. Other groups of participants then indicated how keen they would be to know more about what each scientist did and whether they thought the academics were likely to be carrying out accurate and important research. People were more interested in learning about the work of scientists who were seen as physically attractive and who appeared, quote, competent and moral. But when it came to judging scientific ability, having an attractive face counted against the researchers. The better looking and more sociable they were perceived to be, the less they were expected to be conducting high quality research. The study has been published in the journal Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. And then finally, a quote from the author, one more quote. It seems that people use facial appearance as a source of information when selecting and evaluating science news. It's not yet clear how much this shapes the spread of acceptance of scientific ideas among the public, but the rapid growth in visual media means it might be an increasingly important issue. That's it. Wow. Yeah. So the the appearance of the scientist absolutely has an effect on how what they say is perceived.
1: Well, I agree. I think appearance can have an effect. I mean, you know, whenever you hear Giorgio sukulos talk about something, you don't take him seriously at all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you aliens. know, aliens. Alien. Everybody's I mean, doing the thing with their hands. You don't even need the meme. You just the see his hair, and "What up. the hell?" Which I mean, I don't mean to judge. Whatever the guy can do, what he likes.
0: Uh, you know, I think for what he for what he is, Giorgio sukulos is pretty attractive. I bet he gets laid a lot at those alien. Oh, conventions. I'm sure he gets laid a lot. I bet he's getting he's swimming in the women.
1: Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, he's really you know he's telling them all the secrets of go back late. I mean, he's yeah, really that's you know, right. Right in the hotel room. I mean, it, it's an all night, you know, research affair. But anyway, <laughs> so but OK, what I find kind of weird and the reason I said that I think this is only true for women. Now, I'd love to hear if you had any actual I mean, because you're you are a genuine. I do have an scientist. anecdote about this. Yes, yeah. I do. And, and if you want to give that first fine. Uh, but I have some points.
0: Okay. Well, I'll tell my story quick. Um, when I was in college, I was about 20 or 21 years old. I had been working in research labs for a few years, and I knew I was going to go get a PhD in, in biochemistry or something like that. So I was working in labs, and I was doing a poster presentation. This is a common thing where you present the results of your research. Basically, you know, you do research for a semester or so in college, mm-hmm. and then you kind of summarize what you found. So I was, and, and every scientist in the department kind of stands next to their poster and people walk around and ask you questions about it and it's supposed to start discussions. Okay. Okay. So I was doing a poster presentation about my research and I was standing next to the poster and this guy comes up to me and says, oh, you're not a scientist. You're too hot. Whoa. Yeah. I was like, well, yes, I am a scientist. <laughs> I know I'm hot, but I know I'm also a scientist. Oh, your PhD, you're all the way. Yeah. yeah, so obviously he wasn't interested in what I had to say about my poster. He just wanted to talk to me. But um, yeah, that happened to me once. And yeah, I was very, very good looking in college, I would say, above average looks.
1: Well, yeah. <laughs> you're only getting <laughs> I was
0: a total gym junkie, too. I used to get up at six o'clock and go to the gym every day, so yeah. I had a hard body. But uh, <laughs> anyway, he didn't take me seriously. Um a couple other times the same thing happened you know okay. it was ju- it would just be comments like i actually had um a senior researcher uh at an academic institution i was working at once said in front of me he was not saying this about me directly but he said it in front of me and i think that was on purpose um another woman that we worked with got pregnant and mm. he said oh, these women the minute they get pregnant, they they lose all their productivity. They're never going to do any work again. And they never come back after they have their babies. Uh, hmm. Yeah. I know female scientists who have had children and then gone back to work in the lab. Sure. And I know some who have gone on a permanent maternity leave. But... I mean, it was neither here nor there. Like, you really shouldn't make a generalization about women like that. And, you know, that could be one of those things where you say, oh, hmm, that's why they're that's why women leave STEM fields because they're talked to (laughs) like that. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I didn't feel too good when I heard that. So, Brian, what were you going to say? Do you have any experience with this?
1: Well, I mean, with women, I mean, this this is true across the board. Women
0: aren't taken seriously as scientists. In general, or as so. anything, not, yeah. not you
1: know, forget about even just science. I mean, pick the field, and other than maybe yeah, as, as a waitress, even as then, then, anything, right? yeah. I mean, right? They don't get taken seriously. Uh, for men, I'm kind of surprised. Well, I, I guess I'm sort of not surprised, but it's interesting that you know, 50, 60 years ago, uh, the typical Hollywood handsome was either in a western or he was you know a male scientist. Mm-hmm. You know, he was a scientist, and like I mean, he and he was the hero. You know, like, this was a big deal. Or even you go, That's you go. It's
0: interesting. I mean, how did the scientist as a nerd stereotype come about? Because, look, like, I've worked in science. There's a lot of people who just do not give a fuck what they look like. And yeah. it's evident. And I feel like people have come to expect that from a scientist, that they're going to have kind of poor social skills, be looking down at the floor, thick Coke bottle glasses, really nerdy, like painfully nerdy. I.
1: I, I think that there was a point where Hollywood like shifted gears and, and made that, like created that archetype. Um, because before, you know, just 10, I mean, even. So you think it comes from Hollywood? Well, I mean, there's some truth to it. Certainly. There's some truth to it. I mean, and there's some oddities because these people, I mean, look, you know, sometimes people aren't socially awkward because they're socially awkward. They're just quiet because you're not talking about anything fucking interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. I mean, and I can speak for that personally. Like if I'm quiet in a room, no offense to anybody, but you're probably just not talking about anything that really blows up my skirt. And, and so now like, uh, In the 50s, like I say, in the 60s, or even you go to like Gilligan's Island where the professor, I mean, you you ask just about anybody, guy or gal, and they'll say, well, who's the most attractive person on Gilligan's Island? It was the professor. You know, granted, (laughs) it's an actor you're putting in that position, but I mean, there's more to it than that. And I don't know. I don't know what happened. I don't know where exactly that changed or why it changed. But, you know, I grew up watching a lot of science fiction classics and it was always like, I mean, you know, you'd get some of maybe not the, you know, B-list actors, but it'd be really conventionally attractive guys playing the role of the scientist. And they also had to be the action hero. And it's a pity that that kind of, that, 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 that stereotype, not stereotype, that that archetype went away
0: archetypes yeah really it right, went away right. I mean I don't see that anymore really yeah except it, maybe on like I don't know CSI there's also like the punk girl that's like a scientist you know like the one on CSI that's like got the pigtails and whatever And the,
1: oh right, right that's another trope yeah, yeah or like bones yeah,
0: yeah right I mean I, I've seen some photo essays of like I am a scientist and it's just faces of all these different scientists mm-hmm. and they look as different as like any person walking down the street I mean they're very different looking there are were, there were always a few in there that are like kind of punk rock though that are have this really alternative look you know with sure like weird colored hair unnatural colors and tattoos and piercings and stuff like that so really a scientist can look like anything it's it's more about what they say but they're right i mean in this world where now we're seeing videos of anybody who's presenting anything then Mm. it's something to be aware of for sure
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting, you know. With science, you want to always check your bias, and well, maybe you got a bias going well, on. Most here, people so. don't check their biases; well, they don't even know true. they have bias. They're on <laughs> step zero out of. Then maybe you shouldn't be, or maybe you should be watching a whole lot
0: more science videos. <laughs> All right. Well, if you want to hear more about science, stay tuned because our science segment is coming up. This is Sex and Science Hour. Hey, everybody. I would like to take an opportunity to let you know about our Facebook group, the Sex and Science Hour podcast community. There's some lively discussion going on in there, and we would love to have you be a part of it. While you're doing that, check out Brian's Facebook group. He's got one for his show, Sovereign Tech Uncensored. And check out Brian's book, Dark Android 2017, How to Secure Your Smartphone in the Age of uh, No Privacy Online.
1: PM me for details.
0: All right. Now back to the show. Ooh, that was a lot packed into one little promo, wasn't it? I have ADD about these promos sometimes, but it's all good. We just well, make it up as we go along. So. I mean, we do so much. We do. We all We both have a lot of projects. We have tons going on. That's why this show, you know, we try to keep it as simple as possible. We don't edit our podcast or do anything fancy about it. So, you know, by the way, we'd love if you'd help us with our marketing for the show. If you love the show, share it with your friends and maybe Please. we'll get some new listeners. Invite them to our Facebook group as well. All right, um, here's a cool article. This is from IFL Science, which, you know, I'm not the hugest fan of. Sometimes, Me sometimes they post some stuff that's downright unscientific. It's like a pop science gone wrong sometimes. Yeah. But sometimes they have cool stuff. It was
1: originally like a Facebook page. Yeah. And then... Started by a woman. Yeah. And... Then I mean, it
0: turned into a whole blog and empire.
1: Yeah. I dig the name. I fucking love science. Mm-hmm. I mean, me too. I, I sort of blame them with being one of the one of the groups, one of the parts uh, responsible for the just the stupid... I, I hate it when people do that statement where they go, science... It's I mean right. I think that I knew dead. you
0: were going to say that. Yeah, I haven't heard anybody say that in a long time, yeah. but I totally know what you mean. Oh, It's, it's like worst. you can say you can claim to be right about anything in a really smarmy and morally superior way just by saying that you've backed it up with science when that's not always it's not always that simple. Right. <laughs> no.
1: Right. Right. I mean, certainly that statement is in no way like a sign. Ironically. And
0: it's not going to convince anyone. No, either, right. It, right. Just like, oh, oh, they said it's science. So it must be true. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's not a scientific statement. Yes, at all. It's, it's not the disgusting. spirit of science. The yeah. science is you go out and you do experiments and you justify it to yourself. Not um, somebody says, well, science proved it, and you take their word for it.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and and just one more thing for, for all the smartasses out there. I mean, the most scientific statement, and you can ask just about any scientist almost throughout history about this, the most scientific statement that you could possibly ever make is, I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah. Use that a lot. Just admit it. You don't know, and that's okay. That makes you smart, not stupid. All right, let's continue.
0: Well, I don't know where this organism came from, but it is pretty interesting <laughs> if it really exists. Um, this is by Josh Davis. From uh, September 14th, 2017, so hot off the presses. um, Apparently, there was a plastic-eating fungus that was discovered in a landfill in Pakistan. So let's read about this. One of the defining characteristics of the Anthropocene, the geological epoch we have recently ushered in, is the massive amount of plastics that we manufacture and then discard. One of the reasons we use so much is that it's difficult to degrade – but this also means that billions of tons of plastic that we have produced are still hanging around in landfills and in the oceans. Yet, fascinatingly, this new environment is also attracting organisms that are seeking to exploit it. Researchers have found a series uh, sorry, a se- sea, let's try that again. <laughs> Researchers have found a species of fungus known as Aspergillus tubingensis that is able to feed off of plastic. In lab experiments published in Environmental Pollution, which is a journal, scientists found that the mycelium of the fungus colonizes polyester polyurethane plastic, causing surface degradation and scarring. This is not the first time that organisms have been able to have found Sorry, this is not the first time that organisms have been found to be able to feed off of plastic waste. There have been multiple discoveries of bacteria that are able to break down plastic, and earlier this year it was found that a much bigger creature, the wax worm, can naturally degrade plastic due to its similar structure to that of natural food beeswax. These findings and the increased rapidity with which they are occurring is interesting in a number of ways. While researchers have not yet figured out how we might harness this ability to break down the ghastly amounts of plastic we as a species are churning out and chucking away, it does show how we're creating entirely new environments. And it also shows that life is doing what it always has and carving out a niche in which to live. The most obvious use of such a process would be to degrade the mountains of plastic we currently have. The study found that after two months in a liquid medium, Aspergillus tubingensis had degraded a sheet of polyester polyurethane to such a degree that it had effectively completely fallen apart. So two months, it can eat a piece of plastic till it falls apart. These experiments are early and very tentative, but show proof of concept that the use of such microorganisms can indeed break the plastics down. There is, however, a far more sinister side to all of this. One of the reasons that plastic has ballooned into ubiquity around the planet is because of the fact that in general it is inert and therefore sterile. This has led to it being used in everything from food packaging to pacemakers to aviation. The fact that microorganisms are seemingly evolving to take advantage of this superabundant resource may one day be of significant concern. <laughs> So, so, this could be a great thing or it could be a big problem. Or it
1: could be the end of civilization. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> or it could be what happened to ancient civilizations. Oh. <laughs> oh. That's why there's no evidence except oh. the stone. Right? See, I was going to go
1: in some weird places, but yeah, I wasn't went thinking there. that one. I did one. go there. Nice. Now, I, all right. So, real quick, I got to pay this tease. Yes. I've theorized this that, I mean, plastics will. You know, to some degree,
0: it takes like a thousand years to break down.
1: I remember right, but they these will break down
0: videos that said plastic will break down after a thousand years.
1: Yeah. And and one of my th- one of my going theories is that not that there's aliens. OK, or that there's ever been aliens on mm-hmm. Earth. Gotcha. No aliens. Right. But that there once, you know, maybe tens of thousands of years ago, maybe even hundreds there, there was a, an advanced human civilization on earth yeah and that you can't find in the remains of it because i mean like they got to the point that we did where there's plastic and there's all these other things things yeah. that would degrade We're not
0: building much out of stone anymore right
1: and you don't have books laying around or anything everything's on your smartphone i mean any civilization that 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 resides the bulk of what makes you know their services and civilization and knowledge and everything in these little hunks of plastic i mean yeah you're not going to find anything left of that and especially if there's some mycelia out there you know, that starts eating the thing away. I mean, that, that's that's positively fascinating. I mean, at first, when I first heard this, I'm thinking it's like, oh, great. So we've been bombing the shit out of these poor countries, and so now, you know, we've created some kind of mutant strain of you know, a mushroom. Oh, <laughs> that's... well, that's one way to interpret <laughs> but, but it. But yeah. we're not exactly doing it that way. I don't way. know if we created it. No, I mean, no, no. There's
0: other bacteria and or- microorganisms that have been found to break down plastics, like they said in the article. This yeah. is just a new one, but the applications sort of remain to be seen.
1: Yeah, I mean, there is a fascinating fact. I covered it on my show on Sovereign Tech. There's a fascinating uh, TED Talk uh, that a guy gave about mycelium and how, like, it's just, there's a literal... Network and it is yeah. for all intents and purposes communicating around the entire planet. Yeah, it's all like a,
0: It's like an internet of mushrooms. Yeah, it's like an the internet, internet right. of mushrooms.
1: Yeah, and I even theorized that you were the internet of mushrooms. That's I'm the true. name of the, the show. Internet 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 of mushrooms. <laughs> there's people that want that. Uh, so, but anyway, <laughs> um, but I mean, the, you know, I had theorized, I said, you know, there's got to be at some point, you know, we can harness organic technology and we literally could communicate just as well as that mycelia. Now, a part of me can't help but, you know, in, in, in my own, you know, degree of ignorance in, in these matters, but a part of me can't help but big picture this and think, is this mycelia communicating with each other around the world saying, hey, and is the, effectively, is the earth, which doesn't have a spirit, you know, this isn't Gaia or anything.
0: <laughs> well, you're but, getting really funky with this. Well,
1: right. I, that's why I told you I was going to to weird places. But is the earth saying, motherfucker, we got to do something about this goddamn plastic? And, and and it's communicating to all its mycelia and then you know it's, it's, it, here it is. Yeah, the first I strains. wouldn't
0: go that far. I think it's just like it's an abundant opportunity for any organism that's able to exploit this rich source of food which we've created everywhere. Life finds But a what's going to happen to all these golf courses that are on top of landfills if they just collapse in on themselves? There's going to be no hills.
1: Well, I'm more worried that Alice Cooper will start doing drugs again. I mean golf's well, the only thing keeping him from
0: it. That certainly is a valid concern. Okay. <laughs> There's We're coming up here on Sex and Science Hour. Stay tuned. Hello, everybody. I'm sure by now, if you've tuned into our show, you've heard about the Paleoerotica Anthology. What? What is that? Well, it's more than just caveman sex. We're looking to build an erotic anthology, Brian and I. We're going to be contributing to it substantially, but we'd like to invite you to contribute as well. If you'd like to send us in a story that's about... Um sex in the ancient world. Any time period, any uh, genre any, any genre, any themes, any uh, activities you want to explore in your story, as long as it's between 1 and 17,000 words and it takes place in the ancient past. So no technology or anything like that.
1: Email show at sexandsciencehour.com.
0: Show at sexandsciencehour.com and uh get your freak on. Now back to the show. <laughs> Deadly sex bots, oh my. Watch out for those. Now, I feel like we talk a little bit too much about sex bots on the show sometimes. Do you ever feel like that, Brian? Like, we're talking about this ad nauseum every week. Well, okay. People love this topic, though.
1: Yeah, I mean, so, breaking it down, you can't talk about sex enough, in my opinion.
0: Um, Yeah, that's why we do the show, basically.
1: Yeah, but I mean, really, like, you can just always talk about it.
0: And robots,
1: you know, I mean, well, this is just something that's coming. You know, it's it's on the way. Yeah. I so mean, it's natural it's to combine the way. two. Sure.
0: Sure. And it's in some ways it's already here. Yeah. Um, but what happens when they turn against you? This is a theme in literature. Humans creating intelligent robots and then the robots wisen up a little too much and they start to get sassy and they <gasps> turn against the humans who made them. Uh, <laughs> what happens when hackers program sex robots to kill by George Harrison at the New York Post here? Or originally published in The Sun, which is a tabloid. So this is going to be sensational, but get over it. We'll we'll talk about the real—we'll bring it back down to Earth here. A cybersecurity scientist has issued a bizarre warning that sex robots could one day rise up and kill their owners if hackers get inside their heads. Last month, tech billionaire Elon Musk claimed that artificial intelligence could take over the planet. And he's not the only one concerned about the dangers of killer tech. While sex robots become increasingly popular and sophisticated, cybersecurity lecturer Dr. Nick Patterson revealed that the lifelike dolls could end up going all Terminator on us. However, in the case of sex robots, the danger isn't that the love dolls will end up up developing minds of their own, Westworld-style. Instead, the risk is that the hackers could breach the realistic robots' inner defenses and catch their owners with their pants down. Patterson told Star Online that hacking into many modern-day robots, including sex bots, would be a piece of cake compared to more sophisticated gadgets like cell phones and computers. The tech expert from Australia's Deakin University said, Hackers can hack into a robot or robotic device and have full control of the connections – arms, legs, other attached tools, like knives or welding devices – Are you getting terrified yet? Because I am. (laughs) Once a robot is hacked, the hacker has full control and can issue instructions to the robot. This warning may sound a little far-fetched, but the robots run using an operating system just like a phone or PC. And as with all devices, if that system is ever connected to the Internet, then it becomes possible for hackers to break into it. The cyber defense guru added, The last thing you want is for a hacker to have control over one of these robots. Once hacked, they could absolutely be used to perform physical actions for an advantageous scenario or to cause damage.
1: Okay. So, a few things. Yes. One, um, I say this all the time. Look, I get it. This is science fiction style technology, you know, the stuff that probably a lot of people want, and I get it. Okay. Uh, the difference between... The, between this and science, what you saw in science fiction was that in all this, all the cool stuff you saw in science fiction wasn't connected to a big bad internet. It was all like local area mm, or mm-hmm. something that wasn't so necessarily hackable and might even be you know more closed off. Uh, so yeah, like always, always keep in mind. The... So the bad
0: thing is connecting it to the big bad internet.
1: Yeah, in my opinion, right.
0: Yeah, I mean, i I feel like he's bringing up a legit concern. Yeah, like. We've talked about on the show, uh, okay, dildos and vibrators are sex robots. Yep. They are a form of sex robot, not human-like, but they are... Um and sex toys are being connected to the Internet with dismal security practices that leave gaping holes for penetrate or no hackers to intended. penetrate in. No pun intended. Right. Um, <laughs> and take control of the device. They can do things like turn it on, give it commands, turn it off. Yeah. See what data you've see, your metadata that's, you know, going into the phone app and all s- sorts of scary stuff like that. Is it a giant leap to say that a, a full lifelike sex doll robot that's connected to the internet could have the same vulnerabilities? Is it a stretch to say that maybe they won't put the best security software on this thing? No, it's not a big right. leap at all.
1: Yeah, I mean, and and for you know another quick reality check, I mean. Be far more concerned about the actual genuine killer robots, drones and whatever else that are built by governments and everything. You're far more likely to get killed by those, certainly. Well, sure. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, but, you know, now the- at this point in time, but who knows if the sex robots become more prevalent? Right. I mean, that's a perfect political assassination, right? Some government person wants to sleep with a sex robot because they won't tell secrets or whatever to it. But it could be spying on them. It could be programmed. Somebody could take control of it and use the arms to strangle them or something.
1: Well, you're, you're hitting at my next point, which is, I mean, this sort of thing has already kind of existed. In fact, I remember when I was younger, there was this, uh, you, you know, this was in the, the late 90s when, you know, just a few years after the USSR had fallen. And... You you know you had a lot of these very sensational documentaries about like the KGB sex files and everything. It was even hosted by Roger Moore, uh, yes. you know James of oh, James yeah, Bond fame, late yeah. uh, I mean, just phenomenal stuff. Or I mean, like it, it was kind of sexy, but at the same time, like wait a minute, that's sort of terrifying. I mean, I mean, you just. It, you never you kind of never know i mean like this this idea is when you talk about
0: that the kgb would use like actual human women to gather intelligence on or foreign, kill yeah, yeah or, or kill, assassinate yeah. or whatever i mean and I'm the way they even, would get to their targets is by using sex right and i'm not
1: even getting into the wild world of mk ultra i mean that's like that's a whole other ball game <laughs> no, but that, you had to mention it but though, I, I, it? well i had to so but i'm just <laughs> saying that like this is look this abstract idea that, that someone might kill you while you're having sex uh, is a very old one. It's, this is not new. Yep, and and I sure. get that maybe you feel it could happen on a larger scale because, you know, it could happen to anybody that buys one of these robots. Uh, but, you know... Let's practice some safe sex, shall we? (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah, safe sex and practice some cybersecurity as well.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, there it is. I I like this. This is a good quote. Cybersecurity is uh, is essential to safe sex.
0: How about that? You know, (laughs) I've always linked those two things in my mind because I remember at the dawn of the internet, you know, in the 90s when I was, when, you know, just the World Wide Web was coming out. Sure. I remember and like napster was on the scene i think or it was Mm -hmm. coming on the scene and you could get a virus from like downloading sketchy files or something like that i always drew the analogy between that and like you know latex barriers during sex sexual contacts right oh yeah like you can get a virus from the inappropriate contact with the wrong computer right sure right yeah in fact i
1: love like vpns they're called condoms for the internet i mean right yes that's
0: perfect Yeah. yeah exactly i love that analogy. All right, cool. Well, uh, so are we scared of sex robots? I mean, maybe, but uh, what else is new? Uh, <laughs> I, I just think we're always very skeptical of any device that's part of the Internet of Things. Yeah, and I, yeah. Well,
1: I'll add on. I mean, there's a solution to this, and and actually, I was recently on another, actually, a major, major podcast. Yeah. And I had brought this point you up. Say I said, the name of it. Uh, sure, it's Grimerica, uh, the Grimerica show, mm-hmm. very popular. And I made the point I said look I think honestly the whole sex robot thing the physical robot in front of you that that's going to that'll be a flash in the pan as far as a market category what's going to happen is is that virtual reality is and and gonna be where it's at is good yeah you're just going to create virtual people I mean mm-hmm. because it's going to be far more private you don't have to hide it in the closet. Um i mean and and how are you going to feel the sensations well they're probably i'm not saying i agree You're with doing this. directly
0: into your brain yeah
1: that's exactly that's exactly <laughs> oh, what shit, i said i was
0: joking no oh it, my god that's scary i mean
1: it's a headset it's right there what the hell yeah, and I guess so that's true. Uh, so you can feel the sensations so
0: i mean why I,
1: I think this is a valid concern but also i think this is something that's going to come and go just like eight track
0: all right well speaking of coming and going <laughs> there's more coming up here on sex and science hour stay tuned for our listener emails you think we should go ahead and call that last one the Smart Dumb? I'm going to call yeah, it the Smart, smart yeah, Dumb. Yeah, that's a Smart Dumb. Sex Robots. All right. Robots. <laughs> All right. Well, we never really... We came, but we never really went. <laughs> Got some listener emails here. Isn't I that how it should be? Yeah, that's right. You don't just come and go. That's come on. You and me, Brian. That's Puddle, our, our relationship. Make eggs in the morning. Yeah. Do something. Stick around. Come yeah, back for a geez. repeat. All right. <laughs> what is tolerance? This comes from our Facebook group. Huh? In your humble opinion, do you think intolerance of religion is analogous to intolerance of people who are LGBT? Is it the same thing when someone is intolerant of religion versus when somebody is intolerant of LGBT people? Ooh, boy. Um, I need to spend more time in that group. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a clarification on it, but uh, just first off the bat, do you have an answer you want to throw out there? Well, I Ryan? do want
1: to say this. Anytime the word analogy comes up, okay, here's a little intellectual self-defense for you. Okay. Make sure you you recognize or point out in the argument that proof by analogy isn't proof. Okay, that is an incredibly important point. Yeah, Analogies okay. can be helpful
0: tools. Just because tools. you could draw an analogy between two things doesn't mean... It's proving your point necessarily. Yeah,
1: it can be helpful for understanding, but it is not inherently proof. Okay, so okay. so be very careful
0: with that. Okay, so I'm going to guess you don't think it's the same thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't. Okay, uh, why I, not? I, I don't. So again, it's so so. R- run it by me again. Just so real the quick. question
0: was: Do you think intolerance of religion is analogous to intolerance of LGBT?
1: Yeah, no. Uh, and the reason that I say that now, religion's a very broad term. And there are religions where what I'm about to say may not be true, or well I know isn't isn't necessarily true. Um, But intolerance of religion, okay, like religion is literally threatening you. It is absolutely threatening you with hell. It is threatening Threatening you with with punishment. What if a
0: religion doesn't believe in hell?
1: Okay. Well, the other, an intolerance towards something that that is really broken from, like. Uh, intolerance towards lgbt look there are lesbians there are gay people there are gay lions there are gay zebras they're plainly in front of our face right i mean there's there's transsexuals you can disagree with the fact that they had the surgery whatever but they're there okay they they exist they are real they are part of your reality encountering them and what to do when you encounter them is quintessential to your
0: survival they're part of the natural world yes as opposed to the supernatural let me tell
1: you what is not Essential to your survival and, in fact, is threatening to your very survival because you are literally mentally breaking away from the natural world within which you need to encounter and deal with. That is spirituality. That is religion. Okay, I mean, I think they are absolutely one is very real. The other is a phantasm that leads you to very, very dangerous aspects. I mean, it's like it's like I mean, it's like cyanide here here's an analogy for you it's like like you know cyanide's bad for you right because it's going to kill you well don't fucking drink it okay i I mean like is is having an intolerance towards a poison is that analogous to to this you know I, i mean that's that's kind of the what what comes up for me i mean i really like i i think religion in my opinion there's i have lots of religious friends i know we have religious listeners whatever but i think it's a poison of the mind like,
0: yeah, it, it certainly has been described that way sure. uh, as a virus of the mind is one of the most famous. Yeah, Bertrand yes. Russell, I believe, was the one who wrote that essay. But uh, yeah, OK, so you do not think these these two are the same thing. I also said I don't think they're the same because religion is way more of a choice mm-hmm. than being a LGBT right. as a person. Right. Like we've we've kind of talked about in the past, like just last week, I know we talked about, well, you know, how much of being gay or straight or bi or whatever is a choice and how much of it is something you're born with and you really can't control. Well, I think it's more on the side of something you really can't that's kind of outside of your control. Mm -hmm. And for some people, you know, especially if they're really flexible or bisexual or whatever, they really don't care. Yeah, They can pretty much choose to act straight and it's not going to hurt them too much. but. Uh, Not every queer person is like that. Some people cannot choose to be straight and live a happy life and not be depressed. Right. Right. Same thing with transgender, right? Some people just feel so strongly that they are a man trapped in a woman's body or vice versa, that it's really not a choice for them. They just, they're stuck with those feelings and they can't do anything about it. Whereas religion, it's really a choice how religious, like, you don't choose the family you're born into and maybe your family goes really hard on the religion as you're growing up and they they bring you into it and they raise you up with religion being a huge part of your life. I get that. I understand. Sure. Especially, you know, like let's say you're born in I don't know, rural Saudi Arabia or something like that. And, you know, you have to pretty much be Muslim or else you're not going to fit into society very well. And it's going to be very difficult for you. Something like that. And also it's against the law to be an atheist, right? It's apostasy Mm. and you can get severely punished for it. So, I mean, yeah, in those situations, it's less of a choice. But for American religious people, mostly, it's it's more of a choice to be religious and especially when you're an adult to continue to practice that religion and believe in it. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, I, I think religion is something you consciously choose, whereas being LGBT is really not something you consciously choose. Um, also, uh, at least the Christian religion in the eyes of the law, you know, as churches get, tax exemptions. And actually, all religion, all religious churches get tax exemptions in the U.S. As long as it's not seen as a cult. Yeah. Right. There's lots of benefits to being religious and especially to being Christian in American society. I would argue that Christians have a dominance, a powerful position in society. Right. Even though they may sometimes claim they're persecuted or oppressed it's really not the same thing as LGBT folks who actually are oppressed and face a lot of discrimination, a lot of violence. Um, I mean, just the rates of violence and the rates of suicide are much higher for LGBT, especially youth. Sure. So, and homelessness, all these other measures. So Christians, I would say, are especially are in a powerful position compared to LGBT folks. So that's another reason I would say that intolerance toward them is expressed a little bit differently mm-hmm. right if you're in- intolerant toward a majority group okay well what are they what are you going to do about it right what are you gonna, if you're intolerant of the christian you know re- christian sects or religions what are you really going to do that's going to hurt christianity or christian people not much right if you're intolerant of lgbt folks however especially if you're in their family or if you're in a position of power or if you're in their workplace then you can really do a lot of damage to their life and their happiness. Mm. So it, it is, I think, expressed a little bit differently. Um, now, here's the follow up. There's more. There's OK, more on let's this. have it. Um, so the person says, I'm trying to decide how unfair I've been lately. I feel like I've been in an environment where I've had to participate on some level in religiously motivated work in order to keep my work. And I've become very vocal against religion. I don't go to certain companies in the community that other people uh, feel are pillars of the community because of their religious branding. But I'm not preventing anyone from practicing their religion. I have no power to stop them, nor do I want to. I'm not saying they don't have a right to run their business this way, and I'm leaving it so that I just don't have to participate anymore. But my leaving has motivated a religious coworker to confront me, saying in so many words that I'm being intolerant. She identifies strongly with the organizations and community that I've been criticizing and takes it very personally. She has a gay son who is a believer and, from her perspective, has been welcomed by their church. She more or less said, I don't make assumptions about trans people and you shouldn't make assumptions about Christians. Now, the person who asked the question is a trans person. To be fair to her, she's kind of an exception among Christians, but I also feel there's something inherently wrong to Christianity that cannot be lived down. I'm criticizing organizations with real political power, and I'm disgruntled about my work that has to do with Christianity. I'm not claiming she's a bad person, but she feels this way. So basically, Mm. he's got a conflict with his coworker. Right. Who is saying, look, you're being intolerant of Christians. And, you know, as a trans person... He has experienced a lot of discrimination in his life. Oh, yeah. Uh, Some of it religiously motivated. And, um, you know, I would say don't feel bad, right? Because Like, stand your ground. It's good that you're leaving this job where you're having to interact with religiously motivated businesses because that could cause a lot of conflict. And it sounds like you're getting out of that situation. But as far as the relationship with your coworker, she's going to be your ex-coworker soon. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to worry about it. Right. And you don't have to feel don't participate in this guilt trip about, you know, her trying to make you feel bad for just saying basically what you believe and not not really hurting anyone. She's you know, he's just not I guess he doesn't want to go do sales or contact these religious businesses that are very out there about their religion. Yeah, And so really, he's just, the question asker is just stepping back and just saying, well, you know, I'm not really comfortable with this. I don't really want to participate. Totally reasonable, Yeah, right? And, and his coworker is trying to lay a guilt trip on him for that and says, well, I have a gay son and he's been welcomed by the church, so don't make assumptions about Christians that we're all bigoted and intolerant of trans folks. Well,
1: it's annoying because... Christians, I mean, it's in their own New Testament that if someone doesn't accept the word, you dust off your feet and you move on. You know, oh, really? You know, I, I mean, that's it, it's straight up what it says. Also, I and I bring this point up all the time because I I get a lot of heat from Christians. Usually, it's it's respectful, you know, because they know they know that I know what I'm talking about and that I can quote with them. Okay, but um, you know, I mean, it's also very clear that it says you will be persecuted for your faith. Like this is it is inherent of your christianity if you accept the bible that you are going to be persecuted you're going to
0: think of yourself as being persecuted yeah Yeah. so
1: well i mean not just that you're going to but it's a part of the faith right so you shouldn't even complain
0: yeah i mean it's (laughs) it's also part of the faith right it's also part of the faith that like ignoring individuals who identify as christian Mm -hmm. for a while Or any religion. It doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be Christianity, but that's just the dominant religion and where this question asker comes from. Right. But ignoring the individuals, the tenets of that religion in in the religious books of the major religions, monotheistic religions, Mm -hmm. it says stuff like that is anti-gay and that is anti anyone who doesn't conform to rigid gender roles that are determined by what's. You know, in your bottom bits when you're born. Sure. Right.
1: Well, that's what I'm saying. A lot of these religions really are threatening violence from the beginning, like way before you walked into the room. You know there there was there there was this hanging, this looming threat, uh, you know, of violence.
0: Yeah. So, I mean i I feel sim. I feel a little bit sympathetic. I can hear, maybe not sympathetic, but I understand what this lady is saying. Like, hey, don't make assumptions about people who call themselves Christians. Because I've known Christians who are very nice and would never have a bad word to say about someone for being gay or bisexual or Jewish or (laughs) transgendered or whatever, you know, they would never have a bad word, word to say about anybody. They mind their own business. You know, they're delightful people to be around and to work with. However, that is not all Christians. That is not all religious people. Some Mm -hmm. religious people are much more in your face about it, and they will not be shy about telling you what they believe, and even if it goes against who you fundamentally are, right? Yeah. And so, you know, you can't make these broad generalizations about all religious people do this or that. Right. But the tenets of the religion themselves are pretty clear, I think, for the most part.
1: Yeah, but, you know, I mean, and, and here's kind of a flip side to this, and I and I say this a lot, too. I mean, if you don't, like, say, say, well, you're a Christian that doesn't believe in hell, so, like, that threat of violence I'm talking about, uh, you know, isn't a part of the program. Okay, well, then, I'm not talking about you if I'm talking about Christians that believe in hell. Like, okay. and just accept that and
0: move on. So, Brian doesn't want to get the angry hate mails. Well, it's not just that. If you want to send us hate mail, you can certainly... Well, Well, I I do the same. I mean, so
1: literally it's been proven that that there are a lot of people, particularly in America, that think that atheists like want to eat babies on Thanksgiving or something. Literally. Yeah. Literally. All right. (laughs) I hear that. I laugh. I move on. You you know what I mean? Like, it's like, well, that's obviously they don't mean me. And of course, that's also ridiculous. But whatever, you know, and and that's the thing. Like, okay, so if I say, well, Christians are inherently violent because of the concept of hell and you don't believe in the concept of hell. Well, then guess what? You're not who I'm talking about, obviously.
0: So, you know, again, just just walk away. Walk walk on. All right. Well, we got let's get into another. (laughs) We need to move on to another question, which we got. Okay. so this person says. I fielded a question by my significant other that related to whether I would be happy with her being with someone else. My response was that if it made her happy, I'd be pleased that she was fulfilled with that other person that made her happy and I'd move on with my life. This was apparently the wrong answer because she said that that then that meant I did not love her because I would not pursue her for the rest of my life. Perhaps I'm wrong, but the scientist in me thinks that the pursuit of a lost cause is a waste of energy. (laughs) So basically, this is a guy, he told his girlfriend, his girlfriend says, what if I wanted to be with someone else? What would you do? Mm. He says, well, I don't know. I mean, I guess I'd move on with my life. And if you're happy with that, happier with that other person, go for it. Do, be, do that. And she said, oh, my gosh, you don't love me because you wouldn't chase after me if I left. Uh... Now, I, I agree with the question asker. I think that's silly. Yeah. I wouldn't per- I wouldn't spend my time chasing after somebody who says, no, I don't want to be with you. I've had that happen before where somebody said, no, I don't want to be with you. And I said, OK, bye. That's yeah. I
1: mean, because really, if if you're serious that you don't want to be with this person anymore. I mean, you know, if that person did pursue you, I mean, that's tantamount to stalking.
0: Right. You know, yeah. like, like I mean, this I is not a healthy have... attitude. Right. I, I agree. I think it's a it's. If you really start to think about it, it's a very strange idea. It's like this idea that the more possessive and jealous somebody is, the more they love their partner. But actually, if you look at our culture and you look at all the movies and the songs Mm -hmm. and the behavior of people that we observe, especially as children you can see that that idea starts to not sound as crazy as to where did it come from, right? Like, we can understand why people get the idea that possessiveness equates to love because it's all around in our culture. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, what happens, you know, in the rom-com, the romantic comedy, the girl is constantly rejecting the guy, right, until he pursues her so much that it just wears her down eventually, and then she finally realizes, after he stalks her for the whole movie... That that he's the one for her. Right. And she was just blind before she couldn't see it. Oh what about the songs of like you know if you I'll be watching you right <laughs> if, Well if you that... ever leave me I'm going to do this I'm going to flip I'm going to slash your tires right like yeah. it's crazy you know like just let him go but you can see where those ideas come from that possessiveness equates to love so I don't I guess I don't almost don't blame the girlfriend for thinking that because if she had just absorbed those memes from culture and never questioned it that's what she would think that's yeah. what you would think,
1: yeah, absolutely, just real quick, um um, you know, I'll be watching you uh by the police is n- is not a love song. Just to just to make that before it's somebody... about a
0: creepy stalker, right? No,
1: it's a, it's about what? Big Brother. Um, it's about Big Brother, yeah, yeah. Just oh, be- is that be-
0: a conspiracy theory or no? It's that's a, a fact.
1: fact. Sting said okay. it. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, just just before somebody emails in saying, oh no no no, that's not about anyway. Well, it's uh, still
0: creepy because people think it's a love song. Yes,
1: absolutely. Good point. Um, in fact, what does that say about what? society? <laughs> <Yes>. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a very very constant uh, very surveillance point. equals love. Yeah. Um. I mean, you know, love is a very Complex thing. No question about that. Okay. Uh, One of my favorite definitions, but I want to be clear on this. My definition does not have to match your definition unless, of course, you wanted to love me. But regardless, okay, my favorite definition of love is by Robert Heinlein. One of the few good things that he said, which I was, "I to love you." Yeah, you love. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. We're we're going down to the basement. Yeah, after this. we sure are. This we're going to be continue a, oh, our Shinrin I got the, Yoku. I got some of the great music ready to go. Anyway, uh, okay, so yes, Shinrin Yoku.
0: Let's finish up the show. Then. All
1: right. Uh, oh, uh, so anyway, one of my favorite definitions of love is w- love is when your happiness is intertwined with someone else's. Hmm. Okay, meaning the person that you love. And in that case, if somebody is happier being with somebody else wants to be with somebody else, if you love them, really, you will take ha- You will bask in the happiness that they are happy. Okay. Yeah. Unfortunately, you may not be sleeping with them, stooping them or whatever any longer. Uh, but I think if it's a, if it's that genuine love that, that, that higher level, even that humans are really capable of, but you don't see very often. I think that's what I think that's how it would go down. That's my definition. Yeah. People have different I mean, people have different relationship styles. They have different styles of love. I it's wouldn't not, apply that across the board.
0: It's not necessarily mutually exclusive either. right? Sure. Like some some people have the capacity to love more than one. At sure. Once. Polyamory. Absolutely. Right. I mean, I think that quote was a lot about polyamory.
1: Yeah. Which Heinlein was also. a. Big yeah. Fan
0: wrote of. about. T- totally. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I think I, I th- people talk about that quote. When they talk about compersion, mm-hmm. which is the feeling of seeing your lover with another lover of theirs and feeling happy because your partner is happy, yeah, so yeah, I think that's used as an explanation for uh, for that. Um, it sounds like the couple in this question had a monogamous relationship the The woman said, "Well, if I wanted to be with someone else, and the guy said, "Oh, well, then I'd move on." So, meaning that they they weren't entertaining the possibility of multiple person relationships, which is fine. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you know, maybe if we're gonna leave you with anything, just take a minute to question, like, where, if you believe that possessiveness equates to love, where did that come from for you? How did you learn that? Maybe it's something to think about. All right, we're done for today, but the after show's coming up. Stay tuned. You've Sex just and heard Science Sex Hour. and com. Science Hour.
2: Game over. Play again next week. <laughs>
0: Actually, we can't show you the graphs, but we're going to talk about... Yeah, I have a graph. Did you see this one? No. Amazon has a new report, so we use the link, uh, we use an Amazon affiliate link to help fund our show. Stuff.sexandsciencehour.com That's right. You can also go to our website, sexandsciencehour.com, and click on any of the banner links you see to go to uh, Amazon, do some shopping, and help out our show, and you can participate in the after show, which is really cool. Um, So, we like to talk about what people bought on stuff.sucksandsciencehour.com every week because we get a nice little handy list and graphs and charts, which we can't show you, but obviously we're going to try to make the best of that. Yes. So... Anyway, what did people buy this week on Stuff.SexandScienceHour.com? And don't worry, folks, this is all anonymous, so you know we're uh, we're not creeping on anybody too much. We are a little bit possessive and jealous of our listeners, but and only, only you. because we love you. Yeah, <laughs> judging you because we love you as well. So, anyway, all right. This week we had some very interesting purchases. Uh, funny sh- ramen shop gyoza Gracie. Hoppin' cooking DIY Candy. I have no idea what the fuck this is. Wow. But somebody bought 10 of them. Oh, okay, here we go. It's a DIY set for making the popular Japanese ramen noodle soup and gyoza dumplings.
1: Oh, nice. Yeah. I know gyoza gyoza is just, it's kind of redundant. Dumplings,
0: we're speaking Brian's language. Yeah,
1: yeah, gyoza's...
0: Every culture has some kind of dumplings, and Brian wants to try them all. He loves dumplings. Tried quite a few. But I will say... We went to a Chinese restaurant tonight uh-huh. after our Shinrin Yoku. We went to a Chinese restaurant and we did not eat any carbs. We didn't get any rice. We didn't nope. get any pancakes. None. We didn't get any dumplings. None. We Ryan got a salad. And I got, you know, just mushu with the shredded cabbage and the meats in it, and it was delicious, and you don't need the carbs.
1: Not the best salad, but it was good.
0: I thought the art. salad was pretty good. Yeah. I had a little bit. I've had better. And Brian got also got this little tuna, what was it? It was like a tuna- Tuna tartar Burger of raw tuna sashimi- yeah. But mixed with little um, caviar and wasabi and some other stuff, it was yeah, very it was good. delicious. I tried. Yeah, some. that was good. Shredded cucumber is the whole works. So anyway, mm. uh, sorry. Just just had to brag. I'll take my medal now, In case my you gold were hungry. medal for not having any of the rice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shrinky Dinks creative pack of ten sheets, frosted, rough and ready. Make trinkets that look like frosted glass. Oh, these are so cool! Oh my god, I know about these things. Okay. So they had these when I was a kid. It's a plastic sheet. You draw something on it. Yeah. Okay. Like an ice cream cone as shown in the example or whatever. Then you cut it out from this plastic sheet and then you bake it in the oven and it shrinks down into a toy. Oh, so like the thing yeah. that you drew is a toy. So yeah, somebody bought a, a bunch of, a pack of those, at least one pack, no, three packs of those. Three nice. packs of Shrinky Dinks. Uh, somebody got some luxury hotel-quality three-piece double-brushed microfiber reversible duvet cover sets with two pillow shams. So this is like um blue and white stripes on a bed. It's very nice. You know, you put it on a duvet cover uh, on your pillows. $23.99 for, for a nautical-themed bedroom you could have. Uh, and they got two of them, so they must want two beds they want to put it on. All right. Uh, we got the Gero Formula B Complex Vitamins supports energy, brain, and cardiovascular health. Um, so just regular B vitamins. Gero is, I think, a pretty good brand. Um, there's a fifteen percent off coupon on your first delivery. Eleven ninety eighty seven, which is pretty good. Nice. Um, yeah, pretty. You can you can have B vitamins for cheap. Somebody got some MCT oil, otherwise known as rocket fuel.
1: Oh, this is something I consume daily. <laughs> A 32 daily.
0: ounce of MCT oil. What did that cost? Uh, it was sixteen twenty-five. dollars no, 25 that's not bad. Yep, from uh, Now, which is my favorite supplement company. Yeah. Now yeah. is Nutrition for Optimal Wellness. That's, that's where I get favorite. all my zinc. Yeah, I get like almost all my supplements from them. I get their Stevia. They make one of the only... The reason I started liking Now was because... They make one of the only good stevia extracts. Yep. It's not bitter. It doesn't have that funky taste that everybody hates about stevia. Um, Just try it. It's now stevia extract. Organic, of course, and I I trust them. They're very good. Anyway, um, another vitamin purchase, Life Extension, which is another brand of supplements— Optimized folate, methylfolate, one thousand milligrams of vegetarian tabs for twelve dollars for a hundred pills. It's pretty good. Good stuff. And you need folate because folate does something, it makes your hair grow. It's it's very important for hair growth and uh not shedding. Okay. Yeah. Um it's in hair vitamins. Anytime you take hair hair and nail vitamins, it's got tons of folate in it. Okay. Uh I think because methylfolate I want to say maybe it's a methyl donor. I don't know exactly why it it does that, but you need these methyl groups, too, for, like, everything, for DNA, epigenetics stuff. (laughs) I'll look into it a little more for next week. All right. Uh, All right. In the books department, The Dark Tower 1, The Gunslinger, Volume 1 by Stephen King. This is a very popular book.
1: Yeah, you know, so the Dark Tower series is phenomenal. Uh Um, They also
0: got The Dark Tower Volume 2 right on so
1: the movie just came out and as my i didn't bother to go see it i heard it was a total flop they embargoed the reviews up until you know obviously release day um and and i guess and and, which is crazy it had uh what's his name there mcconaughey was it matthew mcconaughey and they had uh i guess yeah um idris alba i mean Hmm. you know there's no reason it should have been bad but i guess it was really really terrible so yeah read the books
0: right okay (laughs) Well, this person did They took your advice good Someone was preparing for Hurricane Irma or maybe another hurricane. <laughs> they got a hundred and fifteen hour plus emergency candle pack of six for forty one ninety five nice so somebody's you know if you're gonna be without power, but you can get Amazon deliveries, just saying you know might be a good idea uh, uh sorry, we couldn't find that page. Hmm, okay, well, something we couldn't find uh. Somebody got a Whirlpool bake element for their oven, so this is like the coil that heats up in your oven. Very okay. important to replace, 20 bucks. Yep, I've done that job. All new Fire HD 8 tablet with Alexa 8-inch HD display, 16-gigabyte black, special offers for $79.99, Fire <laughs> HD tablet.
1: Now, you know, this is interesting, okay? So Amazon now, and I was just looking at these the other day, Amazon, I mean, I knew about them ahead of time, and I talk about them on my show, Sovereign Tech, of course, before they even come out, but... Anyway, I was looking at it on the site. Um, Amazon has what they call the Echo Show, which oh. which is literally an Echo with a screen. That's the whole idea. <laughs> wow! So it looks like a, it
0: almost I thought looks it was like, like, a like tablet. an actual show, like we put on, like the right. show that yeah, we're right. doing right now. No, no, yeah,
1: no, it's a device. So and this Folks, thing runs. We are
0: way more entertaining than Amazon. Let Absolutely. me tell you.
1: So this sells for like two thirty, two hundred thirty bucks. Okay. okay? The interesting thing is, is that because the Fire tablets now just have Alexa built into them, like it's way more cost effective to just buy a fucking tablet and, you know, put it <laughs> yeah. on a stand, you know, buy a $5 stand and put and put it on your kitchen counter, then buy that goddamn Deco right, show. Right, if you're
0: going to have a device that listens to your every move and is like... Exactly like yeah. Big Brother and pay Amazon for the privilege of it. Sure. Yeah, and this one you can take with you. I mean, it, like... I it, just clicked to the homepage of Amazon and it's got the Echo Show. It's, it's showing me the Echo Show. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's because it's listening to us. And so it yeah, you know, put it on their it front page. it must be. It loves uh, us,
0: Brian. Big, yeah. Big Brother loves us.
1: <laughs> I mean, there's a part of me, I got to admit, there's a part of me that... Like, I love I love my Kindle Paperwhite. I mean, I love that thing. There's a part of me that wants to get it like an Echo Dot, kind of their smaller model. Uh huh. And I just want to see what it's like. It's like, okay, let's, I mean, I can almost picture some of the things that it does being very useful, you know, where you say, Hey, set a timer for this. Like during a workout, that'd be awesome. Or it really, in fact, during workouts overall is where I see a lot of this being very handy. Um, or if there's something I want to add to like a list, Hey, could you add this to this list? Like all of that would be really, really cool, but there is no need to do every fucking other thing that these devices do, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's like I agree. Yeah, it's like you you hand over the soul of your privacy, you know, for a couple of features.
0: I feel my soul, yes, leaving my body when I hand them Being over to Amazon. Right out. Yeah. <laughs> but amazon not, we love you because we fund you fund our show so i'm
1: not worried about my soul i, I sold it. you didn't all have one, one to begin with. no of, right? i sold mine years ago the highest rates highest rates
0: it's not exactly they're not conducive to privacy let's put no. it that way but neither is google or any apple or any of the other ones yeah well on that depressing note um if you need to vacuum up the ashes of your scattered soul uh you're going to need some vacuum bags <laughs> Which somebody got Kirby allergen reducing filters for fifteen sixty for a six pack. All Nothing right, good. We have a bagless vacuum cleaner, don't we? Just empty yes, out the little. Yes, we container. have a, a shark. Yep, shark rocket. Yeah, but I've Love certainly used thing. vacuum bags in the past. Oh yep. my god! And let me tell you, they're gross. I mean, a bag of dust that comes up off your floor. Oh, it's like
1: it, what is in there? It's it's remarkable that that was a thing. Like I I don't I, I'm kind of baffled you know at, at at how well I get it I mean they were a byproduct of like the floor models okay where you had like that whole turtle thing that you'd drag behind you and at that time I mean you could have just they they could have been bagless as well but then they were like you know, vacuums used to weigh a good 30 40 50 pounds
0: yeah i mean not not
1: everybody would be able to lift those things up you know uh i mean and they'd last forever fuck i mean and you
0: buy them from a door-to-door salesperson exactly and usually a man (laughs) right salesman yeah
1: and so you know it wasn't practical that you could just lift it up and dump it out
0: right so you
1: had bags that's right so i get it but it, it's just amazing it's still a thing in any way, shape, or form, unless yep. you're using a classic But you know mover. those
0: old vacuum – that's what I was going to say, Brian. Yeah. I think you are going to go in exactly the same place I was. Those old vacuum cleaners are so sturdy and reliable that you can't get that quality in the new ones. No. So maybe no. they need those bags because they're using a classic vacuum cleaner. Yeah. Anyway, uh, if you want something to vacuum up, um, you might try grinding your own coffee and then spilling it on the floor. <laughs> Test that vacuum bag. Uh, somebody got a dual kitchenware certified ceramic coffee grinder. Holds 100 grams of coffee so you can grind it fresh every morning for twelve ninety nine. This is like drug paraphernalia. This is legit <gasps> drug paraphernalia. <laughs> you got to get your caffeine somehow. Uh, <laughs> let's see. What else we got? Oh, Mexican... Chipotle dried chilies uh, for $13. Oh, El Mocajete brand for Mexican oh, recipes. I know somebody okay. that had some Mocajete just yes. recently. Yes. You know what a Mocajete is? A Mocajete is like a big bowl, okay? And in, Mex- in some Mexican restaurants, they have a dish called El Mocajete, which is a bowl, a stone bowl. Sorry, the bowl is made of stone. It's a big stone bowl full of meat. And that's what I get. <laughs> Sometimes it has peppers in there and stuff and onions, but the big centerpiece is the bowl of meat. Yeah. <laughs> and it is my favorite dish to get at a Mexican restaurant. It's good. <laughs> it's really good. Well, this person didn't get an actual mocajete. They got um, uh, some uh, chipotle peppers that are dried in a bag. Okay. You need those if you're cooking certain recipes. We got a. You and my premium smart scale, body fat scale with a free app that comes with it. Oh, boy, I don't don't want to use that app. I have a good scale that does body fat, but it doesn't have an app. It's not connected to the Internet internet at all. Gee, how the hell does it do it? That's amazing. And and funny enough, this scale costs $65. My scale, I bought it like 10 years ago, but it caught because it still says I'm 23. Uh (laughs) Apparently it doesn't age. Um, (laughs) uh, It costs probably twice that much. Wow, mine is like a Tanita or something like that, and it's that a, is, one of the best scales. But that, yeah, that is the price you pay. That's the price you pay for, for being connected to the internet, yeah, subsidized. Yeah, yeah, or you maybe the technology is be getting better and cheaper. No, no,
1: know. no, that's going to be a new term for my show. Is going to be uh, it's going to be IoT subsidy. Mm. That's yeah,
0: yeah. Well, on a happier note, we have the Health Force Vitamin Green Superfood Powder. Uh, you do something like this, right? Don't you have a sort of superfood that you put in your shake? Oh, I have you have things. green stuff dried dried up green yeah. stuff. Yeah. So like I buy
1: case. Muscle Farm, that's MU that's Muscle and then it's PHARM, P-H-R-M, yeah. Um I I use like their entire pro line. It's not proline. the fat farm, it's the no, muscle farm. No, it's the muscle farm. <laughs> I I use like their entire pro line. I use their premium whey protein uh, I use a, uh, what's called organic superfood mm-hmm. uh, mix, which is a powder and it's green as fuck. I mean, and, and, it's got you
0: know, beets in it too, though, right? It's got all kinds of yeah, stuff Yeah, you got to have beets. Yeah. yeah. I mean, really, it, like
1: it is the vegetables you need in a day, uh, but I still eat more than that. But anyway, I put that in my shakes. Um, I also use their, I use their pre-workout, which is called the salt. Um, and then I have uh,
0: Salt. It sounds so violent. Because it oh, assaults it is. your system with a like a huge dose of caffeine. Yeah,
1: right? the the whole line is because the the proteins the protein powder is called Combat, the pre workouts oh, called Assault, and then triggered.
0: The, I, I'm triggered. Yeah,
1: I take um, I take like it's not just a multivitamin; it has probiotics and all this other stuff in it. Also from Muscle Farm, also part of the same line called Armor Five. Um, but yeah, it's called Armor.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so it, it has that Curious, you know
1: it? kind of violent lingo to it no doubt about it but
0: i bet that sells them a lot of stuff it's just that i'm not into it so much but i guess they're good products right or else you wouldn't use them
1: yeah i'm not into all the nonsense either but it is like a complete line that covers all the bases and i personally feel i see the results so i'm
0: that's actually interesting like i've never thought too deeply about that branding but it's kind of fucked up if you think about it right like people are taking these supplements so they get big and then they're like promoting violence with the names of their products like, well, are you getting big so you can, what, beat people up, assault people? That's well that, fucked. Yeah, that's Don't the thing.
1: That. I mean, like, there's this whole warrior ethos that that kind of works its way into, like, CrossFit, works its oh, way even into yeah, bodybuilding and right. all that. And, it, like, I can kind of get it, but I think sometimes you take it too far. I agree. You know? Yeah. Like, I, I would, you know, if it was called, instead of combat, if it was, like, called Barbarian, I'd be like, oh, fuck yeah. Like, that, that's great. Like, like, sign me up, you know?
0: You just want to be a, a heathen and a barbarian. Yeah, yeah. You want to be a gladiator or something.
1: Yeah, I mean, certainly my goals in my workouts, like, I want to be, you know, huge. I want to be a monster. But, yeah, anyway.
0: You have to be my gladiator slave. And I'm your mistress. Glavial yes. is here for you.
1: <laughs>
2: Gabriel.
0: Gabriel.
1: <laughs> Gabriel. Why did I say Glavial? It's late.
0: It's a combination of Gladiator, uh, Gladiator and Gabriel. Glavial. And we're yeah. getting tired. Here. Gabriel. Anyway, yeah. that was the Health Force Vitamineral Green Superfood Powder All right. for uh, $30. Bucks. Uh, somebody got a tripod mount, the Ulanzi tripod mount, or Ulanzi tripod vertical bracket smartphone holder. For uh, iPhone and Samsung smartphones, nice two and a quarter to three and five eighths inch wide. We just recently had to get one of those because we need a mount for my car. Brian found me a good one. Yes, uh, it was eight dollars. In case you're wondering, We got didn't a, put that in yet. We got to put that in. Not yet. We we just it took us like a week to assemble it. Yeah, because we couldn't figure out what ball had to go where. Uh, but anyway, somebody got an iPhone iTunes gift iPhone. iPhone. <laughs> That's when a typhoon hits your iPhone. Except we got an iTunes <laughs> gift card for 25 bucks, of which we received $1. So thank you very much. And uh, finally, we had the Marumbi Tree of Life Psychedelic Wall Hanging. It's an elephant with a tree, and it's like tie-dye psychedelic. This was totally cognitive dissident that bought that, I'm wow. pretty sure. Uh, <laughs> so we got a... Queen comforter duvet insert, white, hypoallergenic. That probably goes inside that blue and white stripy cover. And the Health Garden Kosher Monk Fruit Sweetener, sixteen ounces, so a pound of this. Monk fruit is another herb herbal sweetener, like uh, stevia. Yeah, it's just like stevia. Non caloric or doesn't doesn't taste good.
1: Even though I've quit all of them, but yeah.
0: Well. I agree, but if you combine different sweeteners like monk fruit plus stevia, it's, it tastes pretty good. All right, eleven ninety for a, pa- a pound, so much cheaper than stevia. And finally, the sweet, s sweet, sweet scoop <laughs> fast clumping all natural cat litter, and I guess it's made out of wheat. That's what they do with all the gluten. They put it in kitty litter. That's a perfect use for it. Yeah, hey. All the gluten-free stuff, they put the gluten in the kitty litter, and they have a good time. All right, stuff.sexandsciencehour.com, sexandsciencehour.com in the meantime, or Sex and Science Hour podcast community on Facebook. See you later. Thanks again for tuning in. Have a great week, everybody. We're about to go camping in the basement. Let's do it.